Okay, here we go on another episode of A Pastor's Perspective. This is Cam uh, Stevens. Um, if you're listening, thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully, uh, you enjoy these. Uh, I enjoy them. And since uh, what I'm going to do now, since we haven't really gotten any uh, questions emailed, which is fine, I'm just going to kind of do <clears throat> my own thing and really just try to pick out uh, some scripture here and there uh, to talk about and just kind of tie in just with different things about the church or life or whatever. Uh, and so today what I want to talk about is um, church growth. Now, not just simply church growth or your church growing, but the church growth movement, which is something that has existed for the past who knows how many decades. Um, but it's the idea of uh, not just how does your church grow, but how do you make your church grow? And now... I will admit, I have not read every church growth book. I'm sure there's some great stuff out there. But the things that I have read from some of the, the forefathers of it with McGavern to some of the more modern stuff is it typically revolves around uh, numbers. It typically revolves around uh, how do you make your church big. Uh, it typically, it typically revol- revolves around a lot of um, planning and preparation, but very little spiritual uh, spirituality, very little prayer, very little how do you handle God's Word, very little, I don't know if it just assumes that or if it uh, doesn't find it as valuable uh, because some people think, you know, people say things like theology doesn't matter, theology is not practical, so therefore, uh, you know, your sermons should be all about how to make people better people or how to make life easier uh, rather than um, truth or who God is or who Christ is. And so, um, I kind of want to talk about that, and, and I want to talk from a, from what I believe to be a, a, a biblical perspective, um, and really I kind of want to start off with that in in John chapter 12, Jesus is, is talking and um, he's got people coming to, to see him, this is after the triumphal entry, this is getting close to his time to be crucified, uh, he is just kind of in front of a crowd of people. Uh, said that you know this is his hour. Uh, the purpose that for the purpose that he has come is about to happen. Uh, asking that the God that God the Father would glorify His name. God the Father responds from heaven. People are kind of saying, "Okay, was that thunder? Was that an angel?" Um, and then in verse thirty of John twelve, Jesus says this: uh, "This voice has come for your sake and not mine." Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Verse 33 says, He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. So Jesus talks about when he is lifted up that uh, he'll draw all men to himself. And uh, specifically what he's talking about is his crucifixion. He'll be lifted up on the cross. uh, And through the cross is, is how we find salvation. Now, that is the, the very specific, uh, direct context and meaning of that verse. But I think that we can also draw from that and, and learn from that and, and garner from that, however you want to say it, a little bit of, of knowledge of, of church growth. Because uh, not only did, did He create the way for salvation there by being lifted up on the cross, but He also created uh, in that the very, the very core of Christianity, which is Jesus and His death on the cross and our salvation, uh, justification uh, of sins, and that 
reconciliation and renewal uh, with our relationship with God through the cross. And so uh, all that happens there is he creates the way for salvation, but at the same time he creates the church. And so I would like to, to look at this for a second and, and say that we can also pull from this is how does the church grow? And I think that the, the church grows by lifting up Jesus. You know, Jesus says, I be lifted up. Uh, now, specifically, that's pointing to the cross, but just previously, he said, Father, uh, let basically what's about to happen glorify your name. And so, it, in, the, in the same sense of glorification, of glorification of Christ and doing what he came to do, and, and the cross and uh, salvation and the kind of the, the central point of Christianity, I think in the same way, church growth uh, and, or should ask, ask and answer the question. How do we lift up Jesus? Because if the purpose of the church is to reach people, if the purpose of the church is to draw people to Christ, not just have big buildings, not just make moral people, but to draw people to Christ so that they can have a relationship with God through Christ, how is that done? How is Christ lifted up? In the, in the, in the church... Um, as a church, or even as an individual, how is Christ lifted up? And I've got a couple of things that I just jotted down that I think are valuable, that I think are important, that aren't flashy, they're not sexy, they're not stylized, they're not the, the newest and the best or the brightest or the loudest. It's stuff that, that the church has done for the past couple thousand years. And uh, I just don't think that we can get away from that for new plans or new methods or new ideologies or whatever the new fad is. And so, some of the things that, that I think or thought through, how, how does a church lift up Christ and glorify Him so that people will be drawn to Him? One is preaching. I think you preach the Word. You preach God's truth. And, and here's the thing. Most evangelical churches, if not all, are going to preach sermons or communicate something on a Sunday morning that's going to have the Bible involved in it. Very rarely are you going to find a church that does not at least have a, a verse or two in their sermon. Uh, now, there are some people like Andy Stanley who says, you know, he might go a whole sermon without ever using the Bible. Uh, and I think that perspective is, and, and kind of those to kind of follow along with him, and I hate just to point him out because there's a ton of people that do it. He's just the most famous and he's just the most popular. But there's this whole, uh, I don't call it movement or whatever, but preaching style, I guess, that waters down truth to moral applications. It forsakes, to an extent, the greatness of God, uh, the greatness of Christ, to making truths and the truths of the Bible just about your morality, just about being a better friend, being a better person, being a better uh, father or mother, being a better spouse, being a better employee. Um, and, and it does a lot of this divorced from uh, Christ and divorced from... Basically, you could take the things that they say and apply the truths to your life, whether you're a believer or not. And so, 
in a sense. You know, you can say, well, they're making better people. They're encouraging people to be better, to live better lives, whether they're Christians or not. And I see that. But at the same time, the purpose of the church is not just to make good people. In fact, the purpose of the church is to make people realize that they're not good and they can't be good enough and that they need Jesus. And so having messages, I I even hate to use the word preach with stuff like that, uh, but having messages or sermons that are uh, fixated on changing people's conduct rather than changing their heart uh, is not what I would consider biblical preaching. I consider biblical preaching um, preaching to where uh, Scripture dictates your outline, to where, uh, you know, preferably I like uh, taking a passage, whether it's going through a whole book for however many Sundays that takes, or whether even if it's just kind of a standalone sermon, taking a passage and preaching through that and letting that decide your 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 outline, your direction you're going, instead of coming saying, okay, I want to preach on... Uh, X, Y, Z. I want to preach on marriage, or I want to preach on this, and uh, throw a bunch of verses together, and or go into a passage and kind of making it fit my idea. Uh, go into the passage, let the passage tell you what the author originally meant and what God is speaking to that. And so, uh, you know, not just coming up with an idea, throwing a couple of verses in there, uh, and then moving along. I don't consider that biblical preaching. I consider biblical preaching. Uh, taking the Bible and, and telling people what it says. What did the original author mean by it? Who was the uh, original um, recipient of it? And, and how did this play into their lives? And what was the original context? And then how do you take that and apply it to our lives in a very real way? And so one, I think that lifts up Christ. I don't think moralistic preaching lifts up Christ. I think that makes, I think that makes Pharisees. I think that makes religious people. I think preaching Christ, preaching God's Word, I think that uh, lifts up, exalts Christ. I think singing songs, uh, as you sing songs in worship services, I think that that, um, I think that that lifts up Christ, depending on the songs that you choose. You know, Are the songs that you're singing, are they God-focused, or are they focused on truth? Jesus said those who worship will worship in spirit and truth. Are they based on truth or are they more based on emotions and feelings? And uh, Not that there's anything wrong with emotions and feelings, but that's not the basis of our religion. That's not the basis of our relationship with God. That's not the basis of our relationship with Christ. And that shouldn't be the basis of our worship. And so, you know, what dictates your worship? There was, a, I think it was a Michael W. Smith song that was popular, I don't know, a decade, a decade ago. And I don't remember the name of the song, and uh, I don't remember really hardly any of the verses, except there's a line that says, basically, uh, it says, when Jesus was on the cross, he thought of me above all. And I understand the sentiment behind that. Uh, Same with, there's another song that, while he was on the cross, we were on his mind. Uh, And it it makes that kind of emotional, it kind of hits that, that kind of emotional spot when people hear that. But I don't know that's based on truth. You know, Jesus said that He came to glorify the Father, and He did. He came to love us and to die for us in a very real way. But when He's on the cross, there's nothing that says that He's thinking of everyone that, you know, throughout all of of history that He has died for. He's calling out to God, Father, uh, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, why have you forsaken me? I don't know that... Uh, Jesus was up there uh, thinking just about every specific person. I think that Jesus was taking the the fullness of God's wrath upon Himself uh, for the justification of our sins. And 
Uh, and his main goal in doing so was even, he said through, all throughout the book of John, uh, was to glorify the Father. And I think sometimes the, the idea behind those songs is that above all he thought of me, it raises us up to the level of, of God, and it raises how God views us up to the level of God, and it, it makes us more important than I think that we are. And so do you have worship as a church that is uh, glorifying God? Is it based on truth? Uh, as a church, are you doing missions? And by missions, I don't just mean uh, social justice. I don't mean just digging wells somewhere. Are you being evangelistic? Are you uh, in your own town and in your own life? Are you inviting people to church? Are you sharing the gospel? Uh, are you living out a life of graciousness? Or as a church, are you supporting uh, missions through uh, foreign missions or going to missions? Or do you have mission trips where you go and support other missionaries who are uh, giving their life in that very specific way out in the mission field, whether it be in state or uh, in country or globally? That glorifies Christ. Christ came that people might be saved. Christ came to die for people. And so as a church, if we're going to lift up Christ, we have to be people who are on mission, who are committed to, uh, to missions, to evangelism, to go and to give and to live that out in our lives in a very real way. And also we live out Christ by, by living for Him uh, as individuals, as a church, yes, but also when, when we're outside of uh, the building of the church, when we're outside of the gathering of the church, you know, when we're just at work, when we're just at home, uh, are we living for Him? I, I've been reading through Colossians in my quiet time, and, you know, Colossians, the focus is really all about Jesus, the preeminence of Jesus, and uh, Paul talking about the gospel and uh, how it plays out in our life and how it changes us and what uh, God did in our lives uh, with the gospel. But also in Colossians, he talks about being different. Um, chapter 3 starts off like this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. And then he goes through uh, how to put to death, <coughs> or talks about putting to death... Uh, the deeds of the body and putting to death. He lists out all these sins that we need to put to death. And he talks about all the good things we should do and uh, being a, a Christian husband and wife and child. If we're going to glorify Christ, then we need to do so not just by going to church, uh, not just by reading the Bible, not just by singing good songs, but we glorify Christ by, by living for Him, by living in a way that shows that He is preeminent in, a lot, in our lives, by living in a way that shows that He has changed us and that he is, we count Him valuable and purposeful and, and real and uh, that we surrender to Him as our Lord and Savior. Then also, we, we lift up Christ through, through prayer. As a church, as individuals, uh, by prayer of just trusting Him, exalting Him, being dependent upon Him. So that's just some of the ways I believe that we lift up Christ. And Jesus said, when, when, when I'm lifted up, uh, I'll draw all men to myself. The purpose of the church is to see uh, mankind drawn to Christ who is lifted up uh, on the cross. And that is the, the, the centrality of Christianity. And so 
how does he draw all men to himself uh, when we do this, when we lift him up? I, I, just a couple of ideas. One, God works in our life. God works in the life of the church, both collectively and individually, changing us as we are spending time in God's Word, as individuals, as a church, as we are praising God, as we are uh, being evangelistic, as we are praying, as we are striving to live for Him. That God works in our heart uh, to cause us to look past ourselves to see other people. We see other people's needs, whether it be a physical need, whether it be a spiritual need. We see people as, as those who need Jesus. And God begins to burden our heart and change our heart so that uh, so the people that we know who don't know Christ, we, we begin to pray for them. We begin to invite them to church. We begin to, we begin to live a way to where we are being evangelistic. And God uses us as His tools, not that He has to, but He chooses to, to use us uh, to make an impact in people's lives. I don't remember what the statistic is. It's high, 80-90%, something high like that, that uh, people come to church because they're invited. 80% of people who visit your church are 90. I'd have to look up the number exactly. Uh, come to church because they received a personal invitation. It's not because they saw an ad on Facebook or they saw your website. Now, people do come because of those things, but it's because someone face-to-face, text-to-text, whatever, in a a very personal way, whatever, I guess, the culture dictates, uh, invited them to church. And that's how, I think that's how one of the ways that God draws them into himself is when we as people are burdened for people when we care about people and we are concerned about people and their livelihood and their salvation and their intimacy with God and where they're at spiritually, uh, when we do these things as lifting up Christ, then God begins to work in our hearts. And as He does that, one of the things He does is gives us a burden for people. Not just to see the church get big, not just to have a big church, but to have a church where people's lives are being changed. And in that, I think that we're also a light in the darkness. As a church, if you're a burden for people, uh, your individuals will be showing that like we just talked about. But also as a church, you're going to be reaching out into your community. You'll be doing uh, any number. There are literally hundreds upon thousands of things a church can do to reach out to its community, whether it's to share the gospel, whether it's to meet needs, whether it's to just show God's love in a practical way, just to show the community that, hey, we're here and we love you giving out Cokes, giving out uh, water, um, doing block parties, uh, doing uh, community cookouts, providing Christmas for those who can't provide for it, providing uh, Thanksgiving for those who can't provide, or coats for those when it's cold, doing any number of things that, that show the community that, hey, uh, we're here and we love you. Doing those things in the name of Christ, I think, is one of the ways that we show ourselves to be light in the darkness. We love people regardless of whether they're similar to us or different, believe the same way or not. We are light shining in the darkness. Uh, Now, hopefully we're shining with the gospel and we're doing more than just being uh, good to people because ultimately that won't do anything for their salvation. Uh, And so as we shine the light, we need to include the gospel in as many different ways um, as we can and as often as we can. Uh, but but the, the church needs to be that light in the darkness. Uh, the church being collective and the church being individuals uh, to be that light in the darkness. And when we do those things, when we're the light in the darkness, when we're loving other people, when we're burdened by the needs of other people, I think God uses that along with His Word, along with prayer, along with uh, the church and preaching and teaching and uh, 
just the whole collective to draw people to himself, uh, to draw all people to himself. And I think that's how we see church grow. Uh, and I think the focus of church growth doesn't need to be numbers and size. I think the focus of church growth needs to be maturity. Uh, and I think if you're seeing people invite, I think if you're seeing lives changed, uh, I think that that shows that your church is doing probably a, a good job of, of lifting Christ up. If you're just seeing big numbers but not any life change, maybe you're seeing some morality, but you're not seeing people burdened for evangelism or burdened for people's souls or burdened for their own walk with God. Uh, your church might not be doing that great of a job of, of lifting up Christ, no matter how big your church is. Some of the biggest churches in America are, are led by, by men who are heretics. Uh, T.D. Jakes and Creflo Dollar and uh, Joel Osteen. People who water down truth to make it about morality, to make it uh, easy for people to hear, ear-tickling, as, as Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And a lot of their stuff deals with also uh, the prosperity gospel, which isn't a gospel. So uh, all this to say is church growth, uh, I believe, uh, though it's not, I believe it should be about spiritual growth more than numerical growth. Because I think when you see spiritual growth, um, Lord willing, I think you'll see numerical growth. As Christ is lifted up, I believe that men will be drawn to Him and it's a work of God, not a work of, of us. And so um, hopefully this has been encouraging to you, whether you're thinking of this through, uh, through this as you look at your own church and you say, are we a church that lifts up Christ? As you look at this in your own life and say, am I living a life that exalts Christ? Um, hopefully this has been beneficial to you. Uh, if you have any questions, email them to cam, uh, dot or period, whatever, stevens uh, at lifepointsinatobia.com. And I'll try to answer those and, and let those kind of guide the conversation. If not, we'll just keep doing this. I'll just pick out some passages and we'll go through that and let that kind of guide our, our discussion. But uh, share this. Encourage other people to listen to it. Subscribe to it so it just pops up in your however you listen uh, without you having to, to search for it or see if anything's new. And uh, I'll talk to you all next week.